and welcome back to another King of Games. And this year, we are covering the year 1992. So welcome to the King of Games 92. <laughs> this is going to be a bigger, better, hopefully not badder. Uh, I don't see why it would be uncut. But bad it will or be in, in a power glove sort of way. I, I may it's cut so people. I may cut people. That, That's that, true. I can guarantee I yes. won't do. <laughs> Bitches may, in yes. fact, be cut. Ozzy, Ozzy can be a heel from time to time. We, we have heard that before. <laughs> but we are here to give you what we hope to be the best King of Games yet, going back to the year 1992. And the reason we do this is try to find years where you don't have one game that just sticks out among the <laughs> bunch and just says, of course you know this is the best game. It's games that just littered throughout the year, that many of them could be called the best game of that year. And to kick this off, we have so many podcasts that are going to be part of it. We have Gaming Memories. We have The Good, The Bad, and The Backlog. We have Secret Levels. We have Still Loading. We have... The Remnants, the Ghost of Region Free Gamers. Yeah. <laughs> the Ghosts of Region Free Gamers. <laughs> Coming back to haunt us. The, the Shambling Corpse. The Main Quest. And My Life in Gaming. We, we got a bunch of people that are part of this, but this is the first episode... And so for this first episode, we're going to have three of the four hosts to carry us through. Uh, so first of all, it's going to be myself, as you can already assume. And so this is Chris from the Retro Hangover podcast. And we, of course, have your favorite dick dragon. I didn't yell it because this is not the main show. Your favorite <laughs> dick dragon, Shane Kosky, also from, I hope you already know this, the Retro Hangover podcast. So Shane. That's right. How how are you doing, man? You know what? I'm doing all right. I'm stoked. I'm ready to be here. We got a new King of Games tournament that we are just, you know, you're saying that the, the, the idea here is to talk about all these fantastic games in a given year. But ultimately, let's be real. The, the point of this competition is to just piss off as many people as humanly possible. And I'm here for it. So it's going to be hard, Chain. I mean, you know this very well. You're trained. You're an expert at this point at pissing people off, including me. So. I, I am. And, <laughs> yeah. and you're welcome, by the way. Yeah. Speaking of someone who's totally not bitter about Final Fantasy IX, <laughs> Izzy Garcia is going to be our other host who's coming from the remnants of region free gamers. What's going on there, Ozzy? Nothing. I came out of retirement just for this. Uh, Chris <laughs> is the Mickey to my Rocky. I've been punching meat carcasses just to get in shape for this. And uh, I may a little be a little bit rusty. I may have a little bit of wrinkles here and there. But uh, hopefully, you know, it's going to be a fun one. And uh, when I loosen up those muscles, loosen up those rage muscles, you know, so... There we'll see go. how it goes, man. I'm excited to go back in time. This is the furthest back we've gone in King of Games. I feel like, you know, the TARDIS is working well. It's bigger <laughs> on the inside. And uh, I was only three years old when 92 came out. And I was in Cuba, so I didn't know shit. So I'm really excited. Hopefully this means that people can be more objective. But I don't know. We got Ninja Turtles in here. So uh, yep. <laughs> we'll see how objective people can be when it comes to Ninja Turtles. Completely fair and balanced. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I am sure. Uh, so our fourth host that's going to be obviously hosting the episodes for the duration of the King of Games 92 will be Arnaldo Perez, also from Region Free Gamers, uh, the ghost of, the remnants of. Just to 
kind of pay homage to region-free gamers as they established the king of games, and that's why we're here today. So we'll be Retro Hangover and former RFG hosts throughout the entire duration. So I think Arnie should be on the next episode you listen to, but we'll see what order we put out there. Uh, before we really, really kick this off and start talking about the two games today, as you tell by the title, which will be Mario Paint, our 13th seed, versus Dune 2, uh, the Battle of Arrakis, because I really don't like the other name for this game. What, what was it? Was uh, the new dynasty the, or founding of the, a dynasty? The building of a dynasty. There you go. I, I don't like that name, yeah. but that apparently is the North American it one. Rolls it sounds like an dollars. instructional manual. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> How, how, how to be a trust fund baby, basically. <laughs> <laughs> how to day trade for fun and profit. So I, I do think it's worth mentioning how we came to pick the games for the King of Games 92. So first of all, we were doing 20 games this year with the first four episodes being 13 through 20. And they have to fight for the right to be part of the Sweet 16, mm. which uh, in previous years we just had 16. So. Yeah, it's it's a few more games just because I think when we get to the honorable mentions and uh, notable omissions, we're always like, ah, oh, if there's only a few more games. And we did that and we still said, oh, if only there were a few more games. So um, it, it, I guess we failed again. Well, I but, think what we realized, Chris, <laughs> is that a wild card play in is always better. So it just leads to more chaos. And I think people like the chaos. That's true. People love chaos. So. We picked the games much like we did last time in a very similar manner, except this time we started off with a list of something like 75 games, and then everyone picked 20 games. They didn't rank them, but just what 20 games they would like to see in the King of Games 92. And then we took a list of 23 games because there are some ties near the bottom, and then we ranked them 1 through 20. So the seeding that you're seeing right now, you're seeing our top 20 games ranked in order. If you want to go look at the brackets, which will be available somewhere and we'll probably post on Instagram or something, uh, that's how we rank. Gambling is totally permitted. Sure. If you want to do your own bracket pool, please go ahead. We're not going to dissuade you from doing so. Just know we're not legally yeah. liable for anything that you may be caught for if you're gambling. <laughs> no, we're not your bookie either. So it's not our fault. Can't blame us. So if you're wondering where a game is, hey, it just didn't make the cut. Stay tuned for the honorable mention episode that will be right before the final. And you can hear us all vent about how other people were wrong for not choosing certain games. There it is. So are you guys ready to talk about these two games? Let's sure. do it. Sweet. We are going to be talking about these games in four different criteria, much like last year. One criteria is slightly changed, but it's just what we're calling it. We are going to be talking about the critical and commercial reception. We are going to be talking about our own personal attachment. We are going to be talking about the legacy of the game, which before was genre-defining and legacy. But I think legacy, just kind of an umbrella term to cover all of that. And then we're going to be talking about which game we'd just rather play head-to-head -head today. And of course, that's not the determining vote of what we're going to pick to advance. And at the end, we're going to take everything that we said in those four criteria, take it into consideration and inform our decision on what game should advance in the King of Games 92. Because last year we said a lot, it doesn't matter, but it does matter because these conversations have changed minds going into that decision. So they do absolutely matter. And here we go. So we have two games, guys, and we're going to just briefly talk about each one. Let's get into this. So first up, we have Mario Paint, which was released on August 1st, 
1992, of course. It was developed by Nintendo R&D 1 and Intelligent Systems and, of course, published by Nintendo. It is a paint game or a music game or an animation studio game, something like that. It's like Claris Works on Mac or whatever was on IBM PCs at the time. I don't know what paint program they had. I have no idea. Shane, do you know? Uh, Pretty sure it's just called Paint. Okay. It was paint then too? <laughs> well, so the maybe. predecessor to that, like in the early, like in 1990, it was called something else. And I can't recall exactly what it was. The na- The word paint was in the name. I know that for sure. Well, I, I feel like every, every kind of OS, you had the Amiga, you had Windows and all that. They all kind of had their own software and there was all this third party software as well. So I feel like paint, you know, just going by the odds must have been one of them. Yes. Ah, I mean, it had to be. PC right? paint. That's what it's called. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't Microsoft Paint quite yet? Not quite yet. The game rankings aggregate. This is retrospective. So this is what people are thinking about this today or after it was released. Uh, it was 72%. So it's not that high. If you go to GameFAQs and you look at how they rank it, like they have rankings at GameFAQs. I'm just using that because it's it's a good aggregate site, I think. Uh, its critic score is 3.57 out of 5 with 4 votes. And its user score is 3.66 out of 5 with 905 people scoring it. Uh, Some notable scores from the era when it came out. You have EGM, Electronic Gaming Monthly, giving it an 82.5 out of 100 if you tell everything up. Uh, Game Informer gave it a 87.5. GamePro gave it a 4.75. And on the lower end, you have Nintendo Magazine System in Australia giving it a 70%. And Superplay giving it a 55%. It sold 2.33 million units worldwide. Came packed in with the Super Nintendo mouse. As I said earlier, this is because it was a paint program and it wanted to really emulate PCs, which was useful because PCs were as expensive as fuck. In terms of awards, it won the most innovative game of the year award from Nintendo Power 1992. <laughs> Feels a little self-congratulatory, but all right. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Nintendo Power Nintendo Power awards kind of, I mean, I was you gonna, have to take those with a grain of salt. I was going to ask you, should we even count Nintendo Power? I feel like that's just a propaganda piece. It's like, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that meme picture of Obama putting a medal on himself. that's nintendo power who also said it was the 162nd best game back in 2006 but hey they gave it a 3.9 out of 5 so at least they were humble enough to like knock it that one 0.1 point so that it wasn't a four yeah true they were objective they were that they they were objective on that three uh, under four for a nintendo game is an objective score from nintendo power ign said it was the 105th best nintendo game in 2014 And according to Complex, it's the 35th best Super Nintendo game ever made, and that was made in 2018. I mean, do do we even rank Complex as authoritative? I mean, is is Complex even, like, really about video games? I don't know. Um, It's... I, I don't know enough about complex to be honest. Well, what is complex? I don't even know why I put this out. This is probably why a is terrible this time to be asking this question. <laughs> that's like that's like saying Maxim ranked it like number one fifty. You know, in between their <laughs> yeah, you know, centerfolds. <laughs> I read it for the articles. <laughs> it's what the casual dude bros think, and they they have a voice too. They they play games. Come on now, they're too busy playing Call of Duty. And uh, lastly, it's cited as being one of the main influences behind the WarioWare series, which is you know still a current series going on, unlike this one. Yeah. Uh, wow. So before we talk about Dune 2, I know we're going to more rank this later, but what, what are some initial thoughts you guys have about Mario Paint? 
I'll start with you, Ozzy. Well, I mean, look, Chris, I mean, you thought I wasn't going to be no chance in hell I was going to be on the Meryl Payne episode. But I want to show you that I am objective. And in the interest of being objective, I, I have done some homework. And, you know, I really think that what this game tried to do is impressive because essentially it was, you know, baby's first Adobe creative suit, basically, at the end of the day. And I don't think that there were enough softwares like this you know at the time and the fact that it was nintendo kind of coming out of the gate and doing something where you know there was a stigma around educational software because it just didn't sell and nintendo basically said i don't care we're gonna do this probably because they were getting a lot of pushback from their parents basically being concerned that night trap was a thing um <laughs> you know i i find it that it's it's very impressive that that they managed to put this out and not only that they managed to put it out but that they sold 2.33 million copies that's that's insane you know that's, that's a lot for 92 that's that's a lot and from what i understand they sold about 500,000 copies in less than a year so it's uh it's really impressive and the fact that as you mentioned chris pcs were so expensive at the time i mean if you really weigh it they were like 1500 uh back in 92 that must be like i don't know six thousand dollars nowadays that oh, that, that really is basically you know i don't know like the the price of a a, a vespa or something i don't know i don't know what's going for mm -hmm. six thousand dollars nowadays i find i find mario paint to be um you know a very you know impressive feat you know from nintendo and the fact that it was made by nintendo r&d one i i love those guys because they were always the kooky you know, part of Nintendo, you know, whereas EAD was kind of like the bottom down preppy guys. R&D one was like the crazy fucking nerd, you know, just coming up with some weird shit in lab. It, 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 they, they just came up with some weird stuff. You know, they did Game & Watch. They did the Game Boy. Uh, eventually, they did the Virtual Boy. It was Gunpei Jokoi's team. So they were always doing some crazy shit. You know, they also did the Warland series. So, you know, just the fact that it's them that did this just kind of makes me feel like, you know, I like these guys and I, I like the fact that they did this. So I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like after all has been said and done, I feel like Maropane deserves its place here in this uh, this tournament. And, uh, you know, let's see where it goes. Yeah, I, I, I would pretty much echo a lot of the things you would say, because, you know, Nintendo R&D one was always more being the creative team of Nintendo, whereas you had Miyamoto's team, which I think you said was EAD, which I always think is eat a dick and it's terrible. <laughs> they really need to change those initials. Well, they did. It used to be EAD, but now it's uh, they restructure, so now it's not EAD. It's something else. I forgot what it was, but they don't they no longer call it EAD or R and D. Okay, well that good. So I'm not going to. So get you don't have to eat a dick anymore. Eat a dick. So yeah, I'm not going to eat a dick. But the fact that they always come out with something just uh, like a little off the wall, a little a little more creative than what you're getting from the other Nintendo teams, and they're putting out very creative stuff too. But it's very much more a polished product where you're just getting something. I'm not going to say they're not polished, but they're they're more fundamentally original, I think. So, I mean, definitely the case here with Mario Paint. Again, 2.33 million units sold worldwide on a system where, you know, a 5 million seller is like in your top 5 or 10 at least, right? This is in the top 20, I think, of all time of Super Nintendo games sold. Very important release for a Super Nintendo owner. Uh, you know, and really did focus on bringing that pain experience to the household. And I, I don't think that can really be understated in a way because, you know, I mean, I was I was I had a PC, so I was using these paint programs. 
so like in in a way it was cruder than that but what do you expect it's on much weaker hardware so i can look back at a mario paint and even like it was there was hype around it it wasn't a like massive groundswell of hype like with some of the other games we're going to be talking about later in this series but it was present enough that i remember people being excited about it it wasn't omnipresent but it was there people knew what it was and they they spoke well of it that should carry you a long way i think that's why it's ranked number 13 on this list in a year with so many great games well i mean and 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 chris just real quick i mean just to kind of be clear the game is called mario paint but it's more than that it it has the drawing function but it also has like a film editing portion so like an animation portion so really this could serve as an introduction for children to you know learn animation and then beyond that the one that i think gets the most airplay nowadays in youtube and the like it's the music sequencer and the music creator so essentially you're, yes. you're you're kind of painting in a way because you're you're applying things you know with the mouse and the like but but it's really a three-in-one kind of creative suit you know drawing filming i mean animation and uh and music so it's not just yeah. the paint aspect so i just want to kind of set that that baseline i mean they're still crude but i mean they they were very good to have for super nintendo <laughs> i mean that's I won't call it a technical marvel, but I would say that they were very impressive as a kind of introductory development studio or studio works. Oh, yeah, you're not going to win for, an Oscar with this. For 92. I mean, <laughs> no, no. But, but at the very least, you know, little Johnny can kind of dip his toes into filmmaking and, and editing and so on and yeah. so forth. I would also say the music editor that they use, uh, the music creator they use, I think it's somewhat misrepresentative on YouTube because a lot of the sounds that you do get in the modern era that look like Mario Paint sounds, they they don't sound they sound way better than they did in Mario Paint. Let's let's be real. Some of those sounds don't exist there, but they are heavily inspired, I will say that, in in terms of ease of use and just, you know, graphical user interface and everything like that for for the musical creator. Shane, what what's your initial impressions here with Mario Paint? So I was actually really glad to see it on this list, actually, um, because I I do think it deserves it. Uh, I think what it was doing at the time was pretty innovative. I I mean, you guys kind of already covered a lot of that, but uh, I would would actually kind of be reticent to refer to it as crude, because in a way, I kind of feel like it almost undersells it. Like, it is somewhat rudimentary, I guess, uh, for sure. But... I think the amount of creativity that is possible with the tools that were made available through Mario Paint is impressive, to say the least. Uh, I've seen folks make some pretty crazy stuff with these, you know, relatively basic tool sets that they had uh, in in Mario Paint. And yeah, this was very much a response, I think, from Nintendo to you know um, this desire that was expressed by many parents at the time for some more educationally focused video game content. You know, there was concerns around whether video games were uh, harmful to kids, whether they were causing them to be violent, whether, you know, I mean, there were therapy sessions set up for people who thought they were addicted to gaming and all this crazy shit. this was before Doom, Shane. (laughs) Was that? This was before Doom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so... I, I think this was particularly salient with, you know, some of the 
I think as Ozzy mentioned with the other, some of the other things that may be on this list for this uh, contest, actually um, presenting some perhaps unprecedented levels of, of violence and other things that some parents may not be particularly approving of. And so this is, was Nintendo's response to that. And I, I think they did a pretty fantastic job overall. And the fact that they went so far as to create a specific peripheral for this, which sadly, as far as I'm aware, was not really used with anything else. You could technically play some other games with it, I think, but I don't think there was any game that was developed specifically to use the Super Nintendo mouse, which I mean, is I kind of a Sim shame. C- SimCity uses it, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. yeah. No, no really? No, because SimCity came out before. Maybe uh, SimCity 2000, mm. but SimCity was a launch title, and we're beyond the launch. Oh, yeah, yeah, not for so, sure. Yeah. But I do I do think that some Super Scope games use the mouse. So oh, yeah, you're Scope, right. I think, so. I think you yeah. use it. Yeah. Not all of them, I believe, but some of them you do. And actually, I think the Lamborghini game you can actually control with the mouse. I forgot what it's called, <laughs> Lamborghini something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, um, I'm also I'm actually kind of fascinated by the the critical reception that you went over at the beginning, Chris, with this one because it's 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 like wildly polarizing. Which yes, I guess is kind of fair, right? When you think about it, because this is not a game in the traditional sense, and so I feel like you have one camp that's just like what the fuck am I looking at? And then there's the other other folks on the other side that are, I guess, lauding it for its creative possibilities and the educational content, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just, I found that very interesting that they're sort of like all over the map. Well, and Chris, you talk about hype, but how much of that hype was just parents breathing a sigh of relief that they could finally feel like they were doing parenting right in Christmas? <laughs> like, just, like, oh, well, God, it's I'm not going to have to convince them to... to you know, you know, get not get Mortal Kombat. Like I can just give him Mario Paint and, and I'll call it a day. Well, it's so. it's that. And honestly, I think it's just the overall Nintendo zeitgeist at the time. Like yes. you couldn't escape Nintendo in 1992. You you could because Sega had wormed its way into the homes. It had found a it had found a base. But I think uh, to both your points, because Mortal Kombat hadn't come over to consoles yet at this point in this year. And you did have games, another game in this tournament, Night Trap, which did cause a lot of panic and hysteria, but that was over on the Sega console. So so Nintendo had still established themselves as this family-friendly consumer presence. So in, in terms of the violence that was happening, that was still outside of the home console market, largely, unless you were getting into the Sega Genesis, which was still known for for Sonic the Hedgehog at this point. But those are things we'll talk about, of course, later on with episodes. So when it comes to Mario Paint, I just think that Mario was a very successful franchise, and I think it was Nintendo really hyping this up as a creative tool that you could give your kids that was usually reserved for the much more expensive PC crowd. Mm -hmm. And I think that really drove sales. I think that really drove interest. So before we move on to Dune 2, any, any last thoughts here on Mario paint? Uh, No, no. I think the rest of what I'm going to say is going to come later. All right. Dune 2. The Battle for Arrakis, because I'm not calling it the building of a dynasty, because that's dumb, (laughs) uh, was released in December. No specific date for the personal computer for MS-DOS. It was developed by Westwood Studios and published by Virgin Games. 
It also had releases on the Amiga in 1993, as well as the Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive, and it came out for the RISC or Risk OS. Shane, what is the Risk OS? I have no idea. <laughs> that that makes two of us. I have no fucking idea what that is. <laughs> I, I thought you would know. Ozzy, do you know? No, I have no fucking idea. Okay, well then it doesn't fucking matter because we don't even know what it is. We'll just slump Someone that in with a Sega Pico right now. We'll just just slump that in with a Sega Pico. No one, no one cares. <laughs> no one does. <laughs> Uh, so there are no Metacritic scores or aggregate scores of any sort for Dune 2 that I could find. PC games, I don't think, were really widely reviewed back then anyway. Uh, it was a much smaller community. Uh, but if you do go to GameFAQs using the same standard, it has a user score of 4.15 out of 5 out of 91 scores. So a much smaller base, again, to be expected from a PC game of this era. Uh, there is a contemporaneous score I could find, which was Electronic Games with a 92%. For awards, it was awarded Strategy Game of the Year 1992 from Computer Gaming World. By Amiga Power, it was called the 11th best game of all time in 1996. Uh, 70th best computer game ever by Computer Gaming World 1996. It was inducted into the GameSpy Hall of Fame in 2004. Holy shit, GameSpy. Are they even still around? Last mm. from the past. No, no, no. They died uh, about, I don't know, 11 years ago? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Time Time Magazine put it in its top 100 games of all time list in 2012. I could not find what number that was. <laughs> well, we're just going to slot Time Magazine together with Complex. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, there you know? go. <laughs> but people know what Time Magazine is a little bit better, I think. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, the 49th best computer game ever by PC Gamer in the United States in 94 and the 21st best computer game of all time by PC Gamer in 1994. So a lot of those are, are way back. Uh, except for Time Magazine 2012, which is extremely interesting. Uh, total sales is projected to be around 250,000 by November of 96. That is a very, well, very decently selling PC game for that time. And it is largely credited for being the progenitor of the RTS genre and served as the bedrock for the Command and Conquer series, which was also developed by Westwood Studios. So, Shane, you mm. are our PC nut. <laughs> what What are your initial impressions on Dune 2? Oh, man. Um, what is there to say without cannibalizing some of our discussion about each of these particular categories? Uh, so, right. You know, I, I think the critical reception that it got, based on what you've said, I think is pretty well-deserved. Getting several Game of the Year awards, things like that. I do find it interesting that they were doing best games of all time in, like, 94 or 96 or something, which was only, like, right. several years after this. But that's fine. Um, I'm sure that list probably changed at some point. I mean, at the time, they only <laughs> had, like... they. they like games were only around for like 25 years. So, you know, <laughs> of it wasn't all really time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as far as the game is concerned, also, it's kind of a fun fact that like Dune 2 is not actually a sequel to anything at all. It was like a weird naming issue with a previous Dune effort, but that's maybe a discussion for another time. At any rate, um, it is in fact a real time strategy game, which actually that term was specifically coined for this game to differentiate it from uh, previous wargaming entries. And that was really done just to sort of put a spotlight on the fact that this is a more action-oriented, like, engaging kind of game. Because one of the concerns at the time was that wargaming was already feeling, like, old and very slow and methodical, uh, largely because it was based on tabletop games. And it seemed that a lot of gamers were kind of moving towards more fast-paced, engaging stuff. And so... You know, Westwood kind of wanted to keep up with the times. And so that's how we ended up with this. And 
So, I mean, if you're not familiar with a real-time strategy game, which I guess I couldn't necessarily blame some folks because the genre is kind of all but dead at this point. MOBAs kind of killed it, but I'm that's a, that's a different discussion. It, essentially, what you're doing is you have this like top-down view, and you are sort of the commander in control of you know a, a base building operation, and it's your job to collect resources and generate you know an army of of some fashion. Um, to, you know, complete some objective on the map that you are on, whether that's, you know, completely wiping out an enemy base or uh, capturing territory or something to that effect. Um, That's the very high level of what an RTS is. Um, And so, of course, from this, you get things like StarCraft and Command & Conquer, as Chris mentioned, and so many other ones. Um, but that's that's sort of the the high level, and of course, this is based off Dune. The the well, <laughs> technically, this game is not based on the novel. Um, from a licensing it's perspective, it's based <laughs> on the movie from 1984. Movies, well, yeah, and that's what I was gonna say, Shane. I mean, it's it's actually supposed to be the sequel to the movie. So so mm. that's that's kind of what they were going for. I know that there was also Cryo Studios' other Dune game, but this right. was actually meant to be a sequel to. David Lynch's 1985 Dune. So it's it's all weird. And, and actually, Emperor Battlefield for Dune, which came out, I think, in 2001, mm-hmm. that was supposed to be the sequel to this one. So it was kind of like Dune 3, if you really want to talk about it. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just weird. The Dune franchise is fucking weird. Let's just put it out there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it, the, the, the video game entries, like, specifically, like, that whole history is just this very strange trip also very esoteric and yeah yeah also not necessarily related but i still find it just fucking wild that they had david lynch direct that movie (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i think lynch i mean not to get into a digression i think lynch was a fan of the book and i feel like he was just early enough in his career where he could be like Okay, I guess let's do a big Hollywood production, and then he was like, "Okay, let's never do a big Hollywood production." Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I was like, that, "Yeah," like looking back on it now and his his body of work, I'm just like, "That doesn't that doesn't seem like that fits at all." But yeah. anyway, not to get too off topic. One thing I will say: if you go back and play this game, which is difficult, and I, I mean, if, if you can, I rec- I I somewhat recommend it. I don't want to get too much into that, of course, right now, but it, you can really see where the foundations were for Command and Conquer and how much this evolved into that and how much it was a departure from its inspiration in Herzog's Zwei, mm-hmm. uh, which you know a lot of people also say is one of the first real-time strategy games. So to see what Dune 2 was really doing here um, in terms of a gameplay thing was, was something novel. I mean, you don't create a genre and not be a novel thing. But I think that's really something we're going to award points to later on Mm. Uh, so before we take a break here and start awarding points into criteria ozzy do you have any any real last words to say yeah no i mean i don't want to take too long but i do want to point out that this is made by westwood studios and and westwood for those of you that do not know or are were not in the pc space at the time i mean they're better known for the command and conquer series and the command and conquer series was kind of the second pillar of rts together with Warcraft, I would say. I mean, if you think that's fair, Shane. I think that's absolutely fair. You yeah. know, there was the Blizzard, yeah, there was the Blizzard strain of RTS with Warcraft and Starcraft, and there was the the Westwood strain with Command and Conquer. But really the foundation lies here with Dune. And the reality is that uh, Westwood 
started out with Dune and they took inspiration from Herzog's Fly, which released in the Genesis because that's what they were playing in the studio at the time. And uh, that was developed by Technosoft, a Japanese studio that eventually did Thunder Force, which did not make it into this tournament, which still yeah, fucking shame. pisses me off. <laughs> um, but basically, I mean, they had done a, a number of games, including the Eye of the Beholder, you know, Dungeons and Dragons game. Um, and at this time, they were acquired by Virgin. And Virgin basically had the license to develop the, you know, games based on the on the film. Um, so, you know, essentially they they worked with the Dune license, but they realized, well, you know, we don't want to be beholden to a license. And lo and behold, they modified a few things and that ended up turning into Command and Conquer. So really, when you see the foundation of that, that Dune laid, you know, the, the resource management, for example, with. You know, the whole concept of Dune is he who controls the spice controls the rackets, essentially. And spice is this, you know, basically resource that's found in this planet. And it has like super, you know, like hallucinogenic, you know, fucking effects or whatever. You know, and so that spice became eventually Tiberium in Command and Conquer. So I would say most RTS games have some sort of, you know, element of resource management. And really, when you go back to it, it all goes back to collecting spice in Dune. So... You know, I just want to kind of really flag that Westwood Studios, you know, kind of built their empire for however short it lasted until they were acquired by EA and killed, yeah. you know, on the back of Dune, really. So, you know, you wouldn't have Command and Conquer without Dune. Definitely. All right. Let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to be discussing the criteria and which game head to head wins each category before we talk about which game should advance to the round of 16 in the King of Games 92? See you in a few. everyone welcome back and now we're going to start putting these games head to head and discussing which one will win each criteria those criteria again are critical and commercial reception our own personal attachments the legacy that these games have and which game we would rather play head to head which game would you rather pick up and play so our first category is critical and commercial reception Ozzy, I'm going to start out with you. Which game do you think should take the point? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of weird because on the commercial side, clearly Mario Payne takes it. I mean, we're talking again about 2.3 million copies sold. That's no small fee back in 92 when the market was so much smaller. And nowadays, 2.3 million copies is underwhelming for Square Enix. But back in the day... <laughs> what that, isn't, that, though, really? <laughs> <laughs> that was really nothing to sneeze at. And, and you know, I think if you really rank this, I mean, it's probably in the top five of Super Nintendo games in terms of sales. So I think no contest, Mario Paint takes it in, in the commercial. But then you look at Dune, and it's kind of like, you know, there are not that many contemporaneous scores, but... On retrospectives, it kind of gets hailed as this is one of the best games of all time. And yes, it hasn't maybe aged the best because it's kind of the foundations for RTSs and some of the kinks needed to be worked out. 
But I think everyone recognizes that, look, this is, you know, th this is the foundation. This is what the genre was built upon. And that deserves its own laudits. You know, it, it should be lauded for that. So, you know, when you really think about it, I think sales are important. But more important to me is, you know, is this game hailed in such a manner that it's uncontested that it's one of the, the, the greatest of all time? And I wouldn't say that maybe it should be held as that nowadays in terms of Dune, but I do think that the fact that, you know, it has to be in the discussion, I think I would give the nod to Dune. You know what? I, I think I'm going to take the commercial reception. I'm going to go into a different direction with this, even from the previous King of Games, because you want to go sales. I think hands down sales wide, it's unquestionable that Mario Paint takes this 2.3 million units sold. Uh, in the top 20, I wouldn't say top five, it's top 20, because I know a game that sold more than it's only top 16, you know, semantics here. But I mean, 2.3 million, this is back when you could sell more than a million units, and it was a big, big, big deal, like big franchise in, in early 90s still. But it, when you come to commercial reception, when I'm looking at commercial reception, I'm going to take it on how the general populace received it and how they look back on it today and at the time. So what you have with Mario Paint is a game that is divisive. You will have a lot of people that look back at it and say it's a great game. Uh, but I think when they say it's a great game, I think they're more saying it's a great concept. Now, you could do some cool things with it. Sure. But is it is it a great are you is it really an enjoyable experience? It can be. But a lot of people are like, nah, like as you saw those low scores, those 50s and even like on a on a very Nintendo-friendly site like Game Factory, have user scores that are available for games that are this old. It's only getting like a, a mid 3.6. And Nintendo always gets bumps from yeah. critics, from everything. The Nintendo bump, as coined by region-free gamers, it always gets that little extra oomph. So you're looking at a game on the PC, which really wasn't being used for gaming in 92, unless it was edutainment. And you're selling 250,000 units. And this isn't something I think that got a lot of push or a lot of advertisement. I mean, this is a smaller studio at the time with Westwood Studios. They're not a big studio. PC gaming's not big. Still able to sell 250,000 units. Very respectable. But if you look at people who talk about Dune 2 in a commercial reception sense, it's always positive. I can't find anyone saying anything negative about the game. Uh, other than it's aged and it's it doesn't play as well as later RTSs and their iterations, which of course it won't. It's it's the it is the grandfather. It is the it is the patriarch or uh, the matriarch, if you will, of the entire RTS genre. And but still, no one has anything that's really that bad to say about it. You even go back to some early first person shooters that established the genre, and people say bad things about them. We said horrible things about Wolfenstein 3D. So I, <laughs> you, you get to on our own show. So you get to Dune 2, and the commercial reception is positive. The, the, the critical reception is positive. It's not divisive. It's across the board all the way. Whereas Mario just sold a lot of units, but you can't get a straight answer on it. So I would also have to give the nod to Dune to this. And I, and I would also mention, you know, Chris, that that 2.3 million, how much of that was one? parents being sold this by nintendo it's like you can it's mario give this to little johnny he's gonna he loves mario and by the way he's also gonna learn you know he's gonna be an artist and gonna live off of your income for the rest of his life so how, <laughs> yeah. much, how much of that was the mario hype and parents just being like okay let's just buy it rather than hey it's 2.3 million because people loved it so much that they had to buy it 
So I, I don't quite think that's the case, particularly when you think about the fact that it seems like a lot of the sales were front loaded. So it's not like this Mario Paint had like a long tail. Like, you know, you I don't necessarily feel like this game was one that was selling a lot in 95, for example. Whereas I feel like Dune was one of more of those long tail type games. And on top of that, you had to take into account that in the PC market, you have piracy. So how much of yep. this game was pirated? So really, when you skew that and you put, you know, you take away the, the Nintendo bump on the commercial side and you factor in the weighted average for piracy in the PC, it gets you to a much more level playing field in terms of, you know, the actual commercial reception. Shane, where's your Voco? I know it's kind of moot at this point for, for commercial and critical, but what do you think? Well, th- thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's interesting because I was kind of going back and forth on this because on, on one hand, yeah, it's kind of hard to argue with just the raw numbers that Mario Paint's putting out. But you kind of have to – you do have to sort of uh, – you know, kind of great on a bell curve, I guess, when it comes to early PC titles. Because as we've mentioned, you know, it was a it was a smaller audience, and so two hundred fifty thousand copies to the PC gaming, and not only PC gaming, but the strategy war gaming PC gaming market is impressive, uh, absolutely. And I originally was going to give this to Mario Paint, um, and that might be just some personal bias, which we'll get into in a minute here. Uh, But honestly, I I think with the pretty mixed reception that it seemed to have gotten and the fact that I think a lot of the, the, the glowing retrospectives of Mario Paint feel a little cherry picked in some cases, and I don't want to like shit on the game or anything, but just trying in, in the sake of trying to be objective. Whereas, you know, across the board, Dune 2 was scoring very highly. There's really almost nothing negative that people had to say about it outside of, I think the biggest detractor that a lot of folks pointed out at the time even, but especially now, is the limitation of only being able to select one unit at a time in order to issue orders. In a game where you are, it's all about building armies that mechanic is super clunky and granted, you know, you could probably give it a little bit of a pass. It was kind of the first of its kind. So it is what it is, but that's really the only thing that seems to pop up with any sort of regularity. Everything else people just pretty much love. And not to mention, I just want to throw this out here because I think it deserves it. But the, the musical score in the game was written in such a way that like the different tracks were composed specifically such that they could seamlessly transition between one another, matching what's happening on screen. So if you get into battle, all of a sudden it just smoothly transitions into a much more upbeat track. And then when you get back to doing your base building, it's sort of like your your baseline like level music. And that doesn't sound like much now, but back then that was really fucking impressive. Uh, so all in all, I, I think this is going to be a clean sweep. I think I do have to give this one to Dune as well. Okay. So we're going to move on to personal attachments, and uh, this one's going to be pretty short. I'm going to start out with myself, and I'm just going to say I never played Dune 2. So mm. I, I can't sit here and and really have a fair assessment towards or any sort of real personal attachment to a game I, I didn't play in its era or, or really played the original version of. Uh, I've played the Sega Genesis version. 
but that's not the version we're talking about today. We're talking about the PC one. So I, I don't know what differences there are. So if you want to talk about personal attachment, even if we were talking about the Sega Genesis version that we talked about, I only played it like two years ago for a stream, then it, it's easily going to be Mario Paint. I had this game as a kid. I remember making little paintings, attempting horribly and failing at animation, making terrible songs, <laughs> but having a great amount of fun with the Fly Swatter game because at least that was like a game and I, I love playing games. But I still tried to do everything else and I have fond memories of playing around with the mouse and and just having a good time with it until you know I, I would just find uh you know moved on to the next next game but you know it was a game that really did stick out in my library for for a little bit and that personal attachment's always going to be there it's always going to put a little bit of a smile on my face so for me it's mario paint uh shane let's go over to you for for the middle second one here yeah, I mean, frankly, I'm just going to echo a lot of what you just said, as a matter of fact. Um, so I I own this game, not past tense. I still have it. I have my Super Nintendo mouse with that really great hard plastic mouse pad that came with it. Funnily enough, I'm pretty sure I was the only person I knew that actually owned this game. Uh, despite it selling many millions of copies, I don't think anyone else that I knew growing up had Mario Paint. Uh, which is interesting. But uh, I, too, spent many, many hours just, like, painting the coloring book images that were in, in the game, poorly attempting to create songs and probably just making a cacophony of noise instead, but was still happy doing it. And, uh, and yeah, trying to really get good at that Flyswatter game as well. Also, I just want to point out that, like, creating the custom stamps that you can make in the game where you kind of fill in one block of color at a time. I, I, I didn't realize this until I was kind of doing a little bit of a retrospective for this episode, but I like unlocked a core memory here with this one. And I feel like that was one of the big roots in my uh, appreciation and, and creation of like pixel art. Like that was a, a fundamental part of that. And so, um, so that's my personal attachment for Mario paint. And, also, similarly, and you probably see where this is going, uh, Dune 2, uh, I really don't have any. Though I am apparently the resident PC person here, uh, particularly with Retro Hangover, I this was actually just a little bit before my time. Command & Conquer was really my entry uh, into the RTS world with with PC gaming almost sort of contemporaneously with with Warcraft but CNC was actually more my jam at the time so i really don't have any i guess unfortunately but but what it would set up the foundation for i have a lot of attachment for but uh so clearly this one is just going straight to mario paint <laughs> all right ozzy well i mean you know, two Mario Paints, but I didn't play either of these games back in the day. The first time I heard of Mario Paint was because I went on YouTube and I saw uh, a Mario Paint cover of Miss Jackson by Outcast, and uh, that was cool. <laughs> that was really cool. Uh, but I never bothered to go back and see what the hell Mario Paint was about. In fact, even coming into this, it was like, okay, well, let's let's finally figure out what Mario Paint is about. So I have no no real attachment at all whatsoever to Mario Paint. Dune, I never played it, um, but I did know about it, you know, and I've known about it for many years, um, and I knew that it was the grandfather of the RTS genre. Um, I knew about Dune 2000, which came out on the PS1, and that was kind of a remake of Dune 2, 
And yeah, I mean, I just knew it by its legacy and I knew it by the name. Um, and I also knew it because it was just Frank Herbert's tune. I mean, you know, it's kind of ubiquitous at this point. So I'm just going to give it to the one that I knew about for the longest. And, and that's Doom. So, you know, two one. There it is. There you go. So midway through, we got Dune taking the critical and commercial reception and Mario Paint taking personal attachment. All right, moving on to Legacy. And I actually think this one probably is going to be one of the tougher categories, but we'll see. Shane, I'll have you start this one off. Oh, God, why? Yeah, this is this is actually tough, like tougher than I thought it was going to be. Um, I, I thought this was actually going to be a given, but the more I've thought about it, Maybe a little less so. So, all right, let's start with Dune. Um, the legacy here is monumental in that it is the definitive father of the RTS genre as we know it. It just is. Um, like I mentioned you know, earlier on, the term RTS was coined specifically for this game. Um, so that should speak volumes, I think, all on its own. And so by virtue of, of being the progenitor, you know, it created a lot of the standards for nearly all RTSs to follow, um, particularly mechanics, you know, the base building, the, you know, shared resource gathering to fund your unit creation and building and upgrades. And, and honestly, if you really do a sort of like six degrees of Kevin Bacon type thing, I guess, it, it's actually not an unfair statement to say that Dune 2 is the reason that we have World of Warcraft and the entire MOBA genre. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you, when you really think yes, about it. no question. And why you have esports, because if it wasn't for yes, StarCraft, you exactly. wouldn't have esports. So Korea, you can thank Dune 2 for your addiction. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, and so on the other side of, of this debate, we have Mario Paint, um, where I think many seem to claim that this was an inspiration for things like WarioWare that would follow, and I can definitely see the DNA in that Flyswatter minigame, for sure. Uh, but more importantly, I think, it it served as an inspiration for like an entire generation of creatives. Artists, musicians, animators. This was an entry point into that for a lot of people. Uh, the fact that it was so, you know, user-friendly, it was available on a Super Nintendo, which arguably was much more affordable than a lot of PCs at the time, and yet would still provide you a roughly analogous PC-style experience, um, was a big deal. And so this was like a gateway for a lot of folks to sort of realize that they wanted to explore art and music further and and make it a career for themselves or at least a, a hobby of some sort. And so I feel like that really shouldn't be understated. And so that's where my conundrum comes in. <laughs> um, because I really want to highlight just how impactful Mario Paint was for I think a lot of people. Uh, because I think it deserves it. At the same time, if we're talking about a long-standing legacy I I had, I have to give this to Dune because it quite literally created a genre. I mean, as inspirational as Mario Paint was for many people, uh, you don't exactly see you know a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of follow up titles or or things inspired by Mario Paint necessarily. Um, and you could probably blame that on the ubiquity of PCs and how it's you know relatively inexpensive for most folks these days to get at least a baseline computer in the house. But yeah. It's got to go to Dune. 
All right, Ozzy. Well, I mean, I, I, I have to echo a lot of what Shane said. I don't think it's as hard, you know, decision, you know, for me, because I think that the legacy of Mario Paint is a lot more diffuse. It's more about, OK, how did it how did it reach the hearts of those that played it, which is very hard to quantify. <laughs> Whereas with Dune, it's very easy to quantify. Just look at the many RTS games that would follow. I mean, there's just no way to deny how much of an impact it had. And again, I mean, even when you come down to it, even something as simple as resource management, that goes all the way back to Dune. And really, when you take a look at Dune, the the visual language, it's all there. All the elements of the RTS are there. It's like it came almost fully formed in what it would later become. And yes, it was perfected. It was tweaked. But it's just to me very amazing that it's really a game that it's hard to see another game that is as defining as this one that you could see the clear through line to all the other games and like shane said i think it's very important to know all the offsprings of this similar to how when you say half-life you got to talk about counter-strike really it's the same thing here you know moba esports all those things you know are really part and parcel you know because of dune and i think it's a shame that the game has been stuck in licensing hell and that Mm -hmm. command and conquer came out after and it kind of overshadowed it because i i do think that this game really deserves a more prominent place in history and it also has let's just call it the doom problem which is that it it did the first thing you know and it did it well but then command and conquer came and overshadowed it and how much should you knock it for that i think compared to wolfenstein for example I think this game ultimately is a lot more enjoyable to play than Wolfenstein. I think it's much better than Wolfenstein. And so I think it's just more of a matter of, you know, Command and Conquer just became the defining series just because of the licensing issues. But I do think Mario Paint needs to get its recognition. I mean, I think the fact that it kind of was like, a you know, a junior Adobe creative suit, I think that's important. But again, I mean, not even Nintendo really, you know, has done anything with it. They they throw a reference here and there. I mean, the WarioWare series is here and, you know, it, they kind of reference it, you know, from time to time. But even its supposed sequel on the 64 disk drive, you know, was kind of very neutered and not really what Nintendo set it out to be. So I, I don't really think that Mario Paint's legacy is, is quite as far-reaching as uh, Dune. And so... You know, without a doubt, I mean, I would give it to Dune. I mean, if I haven't tipped my hand already. But but yeah, I think I think Dune is a juggernaut in terms of legacy. I'm, I'm just going to echo what a lot of you guys said. I'm I, I think this has to go to Dune. I, I don't think I, I'm I, I didn't really hesitate much on it like Shane did. I, I thought it was going to be a little bit more difficult. Yes, I did have to put a little bit of thought into it. But when I look back at Mario Paint and I look back at the Super Nintendo and I do think, yes, it's it's very introductory for a lot of kids, especially kids during this time. People our age uh, that had access to it. But I think you look at if you had a Super Nintendo in your house, I know this is not universal. You probably had a computer lab at your school, even if your family didn't have a computer that was capable of doing a, a very good paint program. Right. So you were constantly reinforced with being able to create stuff. Mario Paint had had a bigger suite, and of course you could do it at home, and that's very important. But I think the legacy within Mario Paint is more contained to 1992 than anywhere beyond it, because if this was something that really resonated with people, you probably would have seen an equivalent to 
Mario Paint from from Sony or from Sega or Nintendo themselves in the 64 and 32-bit generation. And as Ozzy said, the one that came out on the disk drive just kind of flopped. And even after that, you didn't see anything like this on the PS2, GameCube, Xbox, or even up until this day, at least as wildly popular as Mario Paint was. So yes, it's, it's something that was innovative, it was unique, it was very creative, but self-contained in 1992, whereas Dune 2 has already said, just it reaches so far beyond its own creation with Command and Conquer, with Warcraft, and what those series ultimately did. It all draws inspiration back here. The oh, RTS. Age of Empires, even, you know, I mean, Absolutely. That whole con- mm-hmm. yeah, it's all, it all harkens back to Dune. Yes. So you look at even the fact that the RTS genre dominated the 90s and, and until like Warcraft 3 came out, and then after that, like RTS just kind of faded away for, for a long time. But you're talking about a genre that it founded that dominated PC gaming for a big, big portion of the 90s outside of maybe your Diablo. This was the genre for any casual PC player. I don't think there's a question that that Dune takes the legacy here. Well, and I think also as well, Chris, I mean, like you said, Mario Paint was a product of its time and it became very quickly obsoleted. You know, the, yes. the limitations of the Super NES, the SNES, were so great that, yes, it's impressive that they managed to cram so much into it. But that also meant that just a few years after, it was just like, OK, well, you know, your most basic PC could do what, you know, Mario Paint could do. Yeah. Um, so there was no real lasting effect for the game itself. Um, and there was no real appetite for, you know, any other company, like you said, to really iterate upon it and improve upon it. I mean, there are things like MTV Music Studio that came out on the PS1 and the PS2, but those are kind of its own thing. So I wouldn't really attribute that, you know, that kind of game, or if you want to call it that, to Mario Paint. So so I just think that, yes, it was impressive for its time, but it was very self-contained, as you said. All right, the last criteria before we decide which game is going to advance. Now, this one is head-to-head. This does not mean that we are voting for this game to advance. This is strictly what game, if we had in front of us today, we are going to play. And keep in mind, we are talking about like the 1.0 version of Doom, the one where you could only select one character at a time and move them and Mario Paint. So, Ozzy, it's your turn again to start out with the decision. So... What would you rather play head-to-head today, Dune 2 or Mario Paint? Well, listen, I mean, both of these games have limitations that are off its time, that you would have been able to put up with it a lot more had you been there at the time. I totally get that. But let me tell you what the Mario Paint experience would be like. So you would put the cart in your SNES, you would install your mouse uh, in the control pad, and you would try to do your creation, which is very limited. You only have like 15 fucking colors for drawing. Um, (laughs) And you have to work with this trackball mouse to try to get something, whatever is in your mind, in its very limited set of tools. Okay, you did that. Now you have only one thing that you could do. You can only save one, uh, one project. So if you want to do anything with it, you have to get a VCR oh, yeah. those, and you yep. have to connect it and you have <laughs> to record what it is that you did. And there you can record it for posterity. Try to get a PC, VCR, go to Goodwill, go to something. That's the Mario Paint experience in Year of Our Lord 2022. Whereas with Dune, you know, yes, there are frustrations, but at the end of the day, you're still playing a damn good RTS. 
you're still you're still seeing the influence and you're okay saying okay well it's a little bit annoying that i had to click on every fucking unit you know but but you're still getting that thrill of like uncovering the fog of war of building up your base of fighting back you know against an attack all of that is still there it's still a game and that's something that should not be ignored mario paint is not really a game it's a creative tool and i get that and as a creative tool it's very, very outdated and fails in what it sets out to do because nowadays there's just so much more you can do with anything else you have at hand. Anything, anything, your most basic free browser software out there. And so if you're measuring it not as a game, but as a creative tool, then it doesn't really do what it intends to do. So if you want to set your own limitations and kind of put yourself in this kind of, you know, straight jacket and try to make something off it with Mario Paint, Go fucking knock yourself out, but it's not going to be me. Doom 2 <laughs> takes it. No question. I would play it any day over Mario Paint. Sweet. Uh, I'll go second with this one. Yeah, I can, <laughs> you're starting to get you're starting to get fired up. I'm loving it. Um, I yeah, I because I, I'm going with Dune 2 as well. Look, if I want to do anything Mario Paint can do, I, I got a PC for that now. Uh, I think the only reason I would go back and play Mario Paint today would be to do the music player uh, just because it's it's so basic, it's so simple, and it's it's more easy to relate to than finding something on the PC, which probably would be entirely not intuitive and not friendly to the user to do. I'm sure there's software out there that's similar. I mean, you could probably download the Mario Paint Music Creator, which you do see on YouTube with all sorts of fancy sounds and everything. There is that. But like you said, Dune 2 is a game. It, it has all the fundamentals of an RTS. When I did play it on the Genesis, is anything like playing it on the Genesis where I had it was, I was addicted. I was hooked. I was having a great time. And that's talking about playing with a controller, not even a mouse. So if if you're talking about a genre I spent a lot of time with as a kid, not necessarily Dune 2. I didn't spend any time with that thing, but just a genre and then playing it on the Genesis and having a good time. Yes, I'm playing Dune 2. I, I can't get really any enjoyment out of a Mario paint today. And even that, because you do have to hook up the mouse. You do have to like clean out and hope the rubber ball hasn't rotted in your in your equipment and uh, hope everything works right. So, I mean, it's it's Dune 2 easily, uh, which one I would play today if I had the option. Uh, now, setting up DOSBox is a pain in the ass, but that's an entirely different issue. But it is valid because, yeah, you do have to be somewhat PC savvy to set that up. Shane. Right. So I'm glad that you ended on that because I was going to segue with that one. So, you know, we're, we're a little fast and loose with how we determine these categories. So I'm just going to say that this is fair game. But if you're talking about what I would sit down and play right now, I mean, I feel like that's a fair assessment to say, like, I can go downstairs to my living room right now and plug in Mario Paint and fucking play. Whereas Dune, partially or actually largely due to the licensing nightmare that that is, is not available. You can't buy it anywhere. You can't find it on any digital distribution Just platform. Just put it on iPad, Shane. Put it on iPatch. Your own. Th the only way to play Dune Two right now is either you eBay yourself a physical copy and hope that it still works in a modern PC, or you track down like a, a copy somewhere from you know place that you would probably find by sailing some high seas. Yar. And exactly. And so I feel like that's something that really ought to be included in this discussion. Is that like, can you even play it today? But you know, you, you both make a lot of good points about Dune 2 that I don't even necessarily disagree with. Like the fact that 
It is much more of a game in the in the in the generally accepted sense. It is still a pretty uh, enjoyable RTS with some of its limitations set aside. But you know what? For me, I'm I'm gonna take the other track with this one, and I'm gonna say if you put these two in front of me and said, "What do you want to sit down and play right now?" I would actually probably be more inclined to go and fuck around with Mario Paint for even if it was twenty minutes or something. There's still are there limitations to what you can do? Sure, yeah. I mean, you're you're working within the the SNES hardware, but at the same time. I feel like we somehow still managed to understate like just how much you can accomplish with a relatively limited tool set. There's a lot of opportunity for creativity there. And though it's not a game in the most traditional sense, I, I given the option of the two, I, I think I would actually, I, I would pick Mario. Okay, now I'll, I'll push back a little bit on that because you said I can just go downstairs and plug in my SNES. How many people nowadays besides us retro nerds have an SNES nowadays. How many people still have the SNES mouse? How many people still have SNES Mario Paint? So I would say that, you know, the only thing you need in order to play Dune is go to my Abandonware and download it because no one's going to give you shit for it because no one even knows who owns the license. It's probably the Frank Herbert estate, <laughs> but they don't give a shit. They literally said, we don't want to resurrect the games. What's old should stay old. So they don't even care. Fuck them. So just download it, download DOSBox, it's free, you know, maybe you have to tinker a little bit, but you don't have to go out, you know, to Mercari or eBay or whatever and buy an SNES and buy an SNES mouse and hope that it works because the rubber hasn't been rotted away and then deal with Mario Paint because you're connecting it and then you're dealing with, you know, potentially RF cables or whatever it is that you're using in order to connect your SNES, which your HDTV may not have. So no, I don't think it's as easy as that. It's easy for us retro nerds, but <laughs> I don't think for the regular yeah. Joe it's as easy as that. I mean, if you want to go down that path, then you could just make the argument that it fucking works on a computer and you could just <laughs> download it. a ROM. Yeah, you could, you could download a ROM. <laughs> possibly. Possibly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you could use the mouse. It's a better mouse. So fair point, Shane. Fair point. Touche. <laughs> All right. So just to review before we decide which game goes on for critical and commercial reception, we got Dune 2 going up three nothing for personal attachment. We got Mario Paint 2 one for legacy. We have Dune 2 going up three nothing. And for head to head, we have Dune 2 going two one, meaning Dune takes three out of the four. But will it advance? We will find out after this little musical segue. So we are going to send one of these games to go to the round of 16, and we're going to send one of these games home. The good thing is that I know exactly where these games will go if each one wins. So if Mario Paint wins, it's going to go up to face Turtles in Time. And if Dune 2 wins, it goes up against uh, The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. So... <sighs> gonna be tough. Gonna <laughs> We're sending both of these games to their deaths. I mean, anyway, <laughs> that's thanks for being objective, Shane. Uh, <laughs> Dude, okay, come on. Like, 
But we do got to send one of these games to be sacrificed, I guess, in, if you're going to put it in that light. But anything can happen. Like, uh, I don't know, Crazy Taxi beating Final Fantasy IX. You never know in the King of Games. <laughs> That's true. You never know what can happen. You never know in the King of Games 92. I mean, we, we got to bust those brackets. I mean, at some point, someone's going to make a really fucking point. crazy decision. And everyone's going to be like, well, there goes my bracket. Yep. <laughs> but speaking of which, we do have to pick one game here. Uh, I will start out because I've been hosting this episode. So I'm going to be the one to throw my hat in the ring first here. Looking at these two games, I do feel like I have undersold Mario Paint quite a bit. I think it was a game of its time. And when I say game of its time, I think I, I am. It sounds like I'm putting it lightly. The amount of of feelings that are about this game when a lot of people go back and how it inspired them to create art, how it inspired them to create music or animation or whatever the case might be. That's not quantifiable necessarily, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it happened to a lot of people, but it happened to enough people, I think. So I do think Mario Paint is a landmark game. It is a milestone game and is a critical part in the Super Nintendo library that should be discussed when you talk about the Super Nintendo as a very important game. But it didn't create something. And it, it hasn't necessarily fully held up today as compared to other software that can perform similar functions. Now, Dune 2 has a lot of the same issues. It's hard for me to say that you shouldn't play Command and Conquer in, instead of Doom. Like, of course you're going to want to go play Command & Conquer. It makes a lot of improvements over Dune 2. But Dune 2, coming out in 1992, how much it evolved past an idea of real-time strategy, past Herzog's Vi, it just was novel. It was so new and fresh and, and did something for gaming that would just completely rock the PC world and bring in a lot of these console gamers to PC gaming and when PCs became more ubiquitous and and, and more common uh, to a genre that would not exist without what Westwood Studios did with Dune 2. Dune 2 is still a good game today. I, I think the legacy is, is really what's carrying it. There's no question about it, about what it's done. But it's also a game that still provides its own little, uh, level of challenge, its own level of fun, and uh, just just uh, je ne sais quoi that is there over Mario Paint. I know you're laughing at me because I used a stupid French phrase, but I'm sticking with it. Uh, Own your pretensions, so I'm going to Chris. Give, Own it. <laughs> I am going with Dune 2 for my vote for the first game to advance in the King of Games 92. So, which one he wants to go next? Shane? Sure. I'll go ahead and jump in. Go, Shane. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll keep this pretty succinct, I think. You know, as much as I think it's fairly obvious that I have a lot of, like, nostalgia and, and love for Mario Paint, because I do, um, I think it did a lot of really great things. Um, I think it provided a creative outlet for, for many people, um, particularly of, of sort of our, you know, generation. And, you know, and like I said, I'm glad it was here. But at the end of the day, uh, overall, yeah, Dune 2 absolutely deserves to move on. Like uh, Mario Paint got its time, and I'm glad that we talked about it. But the quite literal father of the RTS genre as we know it today, if it didn't move into like the first fucking bracket, really, of, of this tournament, I would question all of you, and I would 
probably never be seen again. Would say, I would go off the grid. You would say it would be a crazy taxi <laughs> moment, right, Shane? You know, it might. Yeah. It might be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who would do that, but it seems insane, it you know. Yeah. Yeah, like a taxi. So, uh, yeah, no, absolutely Dune 2. It, it deserves to to move into into the real running. All right, Ozzy, are you going to make this a sweep, or are you going to send Mario Paint off with a loving eulogy? Well, I mean, there, there's no suspense <laughs> here. You know, I, I, I think you guys know where I'm going to go. I mean, let me just put it this way. If you were to remaster these two games, and you would give it a little bit of modernity, Last year, we had the remaster of Command and Conquer, and we saw that even though the game was antiquated, with only a few tweaks, you could make it into the fun game that it still was back in 95. Unfortunately, we can't do that with Dune because of the licensing issues, but I feel much the same way that if you were to remaster it, you would only have to tweak a few things here and there in order to make it, you know, give you that impression of what it felt like to play it back in the day. When you put it against Mario Paint, I mean, if you, it, you would basically have to create an entirely new game for Mario Paint in order to make it worthwhile in 2022. And so, again, it's very much of its time. And I do think that, look, I, I really do think that Mario Paint is super impressive. I do think it's a landmark title. I think it needs to be discussed in the SNES library without a doubt. I, I think that it really did impact a lot of creatives, a lot of, you know, 30-somethings, 40-somethings have, they do have a soft spot for this game, and that cannot be discounted, but you know, that's all fussy shit, <laughs> you know, like, it's, you <laughs> mm-hmm. know, at the end of the day, really, the Dune legacy is not only the legacy, but that it's also a really, really good game, you know, and that's really what we're here about, it's about, is it a good game, and I really do think that Dune is a good game, so, um, yeah, without a doubt, I think it's Dune, I think this is a sweep, I do think that Mario Paint, I, I've come around. I do think that it deserved to be in the in the twenty game selection. I, I I'm not gonna die on the hill anymore, Chris. But I, okay. I I feel like that's as far as it goes. You know, good try. You know, it was it was a good mention, but I I do think that Dune needs to advance. So Dune two advances on a sweep, and yeah, it barely made it here. So it's a shocker that it beat number 13 in Mario Paint because that means there's a lot of love in this group for this game. So hopefully they don't hate us after this episode. Uh, So it will move on to face The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, where, I mean, hopefully it doesn't get summarily destroyed, but uh, (laughs) that's going to be tough. So before we head out, Ozzy, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a host this year. I look forward to another King of Games. I think this is going to be a banger of a series and uh before we go this is at some point we'll go out to everybody of course if you're a patron you're going to get this first but uh is there anything you'd like to advertise or let people know where they can find you on the internet no no listen to uh listen to all the podcasts that are participating in in the you know king of games i'm really happy that uh rhp has really taken it upon themselves to really keep this tradition alive Hopefully this is, you know, the third of many, you know, the years keep counting. So there's an endless amount of years that we could do this. So I, <laughs> I, I hope that that becomes the case. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm really glad uh, I get to to host this year. Look for, you know, me providing the spice 
both the Dune kind Ooh. and the Mexican kind. So uh, <laughs> now you're Mexican. <laughs> well, l- listen to to all Americans. Yes, we're all the same. Um, oh. But yeah, I'm sadly, su- su- super excited. Um, super excited to uh, be a host this year, and I look forward to uh, a lot of uh, you know spicy takes. That spice word again. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Shane, close us out. Mm. Ah, right. The spiel. Well, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm I'm also happy to be here. I'm glad that we are doing yet another King of Games. And I do foresee this being uh, the, the somewhat beginning of, of perhaps a new era of the King of Games. And I hope that we do a lot more of these in the future. Um, it seems like you folks out there really enjoyed the last one we did with King of Games 2000. So I am very excited for where this is going to go. Uh, and if you are listening to this, then that means you have found us. If you're a patron, then f- I fucking hope you know where you're at. Uh, otherwise, you've been paying us for no reason. But thank you anyway. But if this is out there uh, in in the ether, out on the internets, uh, then uh, we're, you know what? We're glad that you're here. We hope that you're enjoying this. And uh, we also hope that you check out not only our show here on the Retro Hangover podcast, but you know, as Ozzy mentioned, all the other fantastic pods that are going to be a part of uh, this tournament. And so uh, if you would like to uh, check us out and engage with us a little bit more, we make that very simple. You just got to go to Linktree slash Retro Hangover and choose your destination, whether that happens to be our socials or our public discord with our fantastic little community that we've got going there, uh, or perhaps our YouTube channel, or maybe, maybe even our Twitch streams. Chris, what do we do on Twitch? We play Lunar pretty much oh, that's um, true which by, yeah. by this point hopefully we're done by the time you're listening to this general public uh, by the time you're listening to this we're done with that who knows yeah, debatable <laughs> we could we continue to find more lunar games but you could find us at uh twitch.tv slash retro hangover that's twitch.tv slash retro hangover uh where we play games for you and uh hope you have a good time great chat great people fantastic all right well with all of that being said until next time Play with your wet and spice-covered joysticks.